Hey, open your Bibles with me to James chapter 3. And we're continuing in our study today, verses 13 through 18. And today we're looking at uh, this wisdom for living. The entire series we're calling Wisdom, which is the book of James in general. It's like the New Testament version of the Old Testament Proverbs, okay? Old Testament Proverbs is a book of wisdom. James is a book of wisdom that we see in the New Testament life, that this is how we are to live our life. And then today, James is getting to points that are very specific for how we are to live our life according to that wisdom. I don't know if you've recognized this or not, but this happens every fall, every new uh, season of fall. Listen, this is what happens. College students go to school. They go to a new dorm. They go to a new life. They're looking around. They show up on the scene at their new college or whatever it may be, and they're showing up on scene, and they're looking at all the great scenery. They're looking at their new dorm. They're looking at uh, their new classes. They're trying to figure everything out, but they are just excited to be at college, and behind every excited student is some poor crushed mom that their baby has gone off to college. And behind every poor crushed mom is some crushed dad because he just spent the last 96 hours putting together Ikea furniture, all right? And the problem with Ikea furniture is that it comes in this tiny little box because it comes in 72 trillion different pieces, and you open it up and you think, okay, well, you see the picture, like you see like what the product is supposed to be. And you're like, well, that can't be too bad. It's just a square. And then you open up the instructions and they look like this, like th this is what you get. <laughs> and so listen, I don't care how holy you are. This stuff right here will make the Pope cuss. I'm telling you, all right? <laughs> I've had my share of Ikea furniture. I can't even put together regular furniture that comes in big boxes, much less Ikea furniture that comes in these tiny boxes. I mean, you're looking at the product, you're looking at the instructions, and you think, I got everything I need, and you can just simply not ever get to that final product. Have you ever felt like that this is your life, though, in Christ? Like, you think about that for a moment. You think about... Okay, well, I have, I have the instructions. I, like, I have the final product. Like, I know what I'm supposed to look like. I can't get there. Uh, like, I just don't know how to get there. You see, this is exactly what James is getting at. You see... The difference of knowledge and wisdom is the ability to make that knowledge apply to your life. Like it would be one thing to know every uh, Bible story, you know all the doctrines, you know uh, who Noah is, you know who David is, you even know who Bathsheba is, all right, that ruined David's life. No, I'm kidding. But you know all the characters, and yet sometimes we know but we just don't know how. It's just getting the 
instructions of our lives right in the way that we are living. Like you know that you're supposed to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. Like you know that you're supposed to be a good student that lives for Christ. You know that you're supposed to be a good dad, a good mom, a good husband, a good wife. You know you're supposed to have high integrity in business. You know that what you're supposed to look like, you know what good fruit is of the spirit. And yet we just find ourselves often just failing in life. You've ever been there? You've had those moments where you're like, God, I want to do the right thing. Like, I, I, I want to do what is right. And just so often, we just can't seem to get there. You see, James takes us beyond knowledge. And he gives us an understanding of how all of these pieces of your life, how they're supposed to fit together so that we may live in wisdom. I want to read this to us, so if you're willing and able, will you stand up as we read this passage together in James chapter 3? And starting in verse 13, uh, this is what the word of the Lord says. It says, who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there's disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without pretense, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. Let's pray. God, would you be so gracious to us, God, to just teach us what does it mean to live in wisdom? God, I pray, Lord, that today, God, that you would unveil yourself. God, that you would open our eyes. God, by your spirit, Lord, we invite you right now to, to prod in our hearts and our lives. God, for you to show us and convict us of where we're missing it with you, where we're failing with you. God, so that we may live in your ways, in your righteousness that we know that brings life. So Father, help us right now to discern and hear your truth. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. You may be seated once again. So you can hear in James what he's saying. I mean, essentially, he allows us by contrasting two worldviews that he allows us to know that there is a wise way and there is a unwise way. 
Like nobody would disagree with that statement. Nobody even in the secular setting would disagree with the fact that there is a wise way and there is an unwise way. There's a way that you should live and a way you should not live. Like nobody is going to question that. Everyone understands that. The problem is not knowing that there is a wise way. The problem is knowing how to get on the wise way. Like how do I get there? How do I stay there? How do I live in the wisdom of God? Well, the good thing is James tells us already, he's saying, listen, back in chapter 1, verse 5, James tells us this. He says, now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives you all generously. He gives ungrudgingly. Like he gives freely. See, the problem with this is that most of the time in our prayer life, we're not asking for wisdom, we're asking for knowledge. And there's a specific difference. There's a really small but actually large difference in the way that we pray in this way. If we're praying for knowledge, we're praying in this way, we're saying, God, will you help me understand what way I should go here? God, help me understand what I should do with this. God, help me understand how should I talk to this person? How should I navigate this situation? This is all knowledge, but wisdom asks, God, how do I become more like you in this? See, that's, this, that's, that's wisdom, and that's the difference. I'm not asking what I should do, but rather asking, God, who should I become in this? How can I become more like you in this? That's the difference of knowledge and wisdom. And what he says here in the book of James is that it is actually uh, available to everyone who asks. This is what Solomon did. He asked for wisdom. This is what we're called to do. Ask for wisdom and God who is generous is going to give it to you. We know that wisdom is something that we can't live without. I mean, even Proverbs 4, 7 says, wisdom is supreme. So what does he say? So get wisdom. I mean, if this is what you need, then just get it. It sounds pretty simple, right? You need a glass of milk, go to the fridge and pour you a glass. That's essentially what we're reading here. If you want wisdom, then ask for it. If you want to have wisdom, if you want to live in wisdom, then ask for it. Ask the Lord. The problem is, is that so many times we just get stuck. We get stuck and we have a hard time recognizing what is wise and what is unwise. We get stuck in the busyness of life. We get stuck in the grooves of life. And James is taking us back to the foundation of, okay, if you want wisdom, ask for it. But there are some things you need to know about wisdom. There's a false wisdom, and there's a true wisdom. So he tells us, you must first, you have to recognize the source of wisdom. I mean, if you look at what he says in verse 13, he said, who among you is wise and understanding? He says, by his good conduct... Okay, he's already talking about there's, there's fruit of wisdom, but by his good conduct, um, he should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes where? From wisdom. This is giving us recognition that there is a source for wisdom. 
Now, here is what is not implied. What James is not implying here is that there is a good wisdom and a bad wisdom. He's not saying that there are multiple wisdoms. He's saying there is a true and false way. There's a true wisdom. There's a false wisdom that is not wisdom at all, but rather it is misleading you into a path of destruction. And what is this path of destruction? What is? Well, James says, listen, if you have, um, if you have this desire for wisdom, you're going to get it if you ask for it, but you need to make sure that you are following in the good wisdom identify the source. Now, you and I know that how important the source is. I mean, the source is this. The source is going to determine whether you act or not. You see, this is what I mean by that. If somebody comes to you and they say, guess what I saw? I saw aliens at Walmart. Well, first of all, you're going to ask them what time, because if it's past midnight, then it makes sense. All right? I mean, it just makes sense. But, but if, if you trust the source, like if you recognize, okay, this is a brother, this is a sister who I trust, and they've never misled me, you're going to dig in a little further. But if it's some uh, homie from uh, Quackville that's just rented out a YouTube channel, and he's on, the, on your YouTube and saying, is that a word, on your YouTube? You get it. Right? Students, check me out. Is everything good? Yeah, they're judging me so hard right now. All right. So, but if he's on YouTube or your YouTube, whatever, all right, you're not going to trust that guy. Why? Because he's Quackville's finest. You're not going to trust that. You're not going to give any recognition to that source. But... The source matters. Why? Because the source is what is going to allow the fruit to come. The source is going to determine what happens with the plant. The source is going to determine how nutritional that plant is. And listen, the source that you are hanging your hat on for your life, the source is going to allow you to have all the nutritional value spiritually in your life. The problem is that so often you and I are operating from a depleted source, a source that doesn't give life, but rather just leads you to destruction, a source that is not life-giving, but it is life-taking. And so we have to identify, okay, where is my source? Where's my source coming from? Like, am I rooted in the source of true wisdom or in false wisdom? Am I building my life on principles that I'm reading of the greatest or the latest of philosophies? Am I building my business on the latest books that are telling me how I should do this or that? And those things are not evil, but what I'm telling you, if it is separate from God's word, you are asking for trouble. Like if you're building your life, building your business, building your marriage, building your parenting skills on whatever is the latest philosophy, it is going to lead you astray. We have to identify the source. This is what James says in verse, uh, excuse me, 15. He says, such wisdom, okay, such wisdom does not come uh, down from heaven. All right, so he's identifying that there are two routes of where you will get your information, how you will build your life, what are you going to uh, have your values placed in, all of these things, right? They're built on two ways. He says, uh, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is what? It is earthly, it is unspiritual, it is demonic. 
Now, he's not, he's not naming three different things here. He's naming three elements that make up the false wisdom that you and I latch ourselves onto so often. He says it's earthly. What does that mean? It means it's of the world. He says unspiritual. He means that of your flesh, not of the spirit of God, but of your flesh. And then he says demonic. This is of Satan himself. And here's what happens. You source yourself in the world. You source yourself in, in the flesh. You source yourself from, from what uh, the enemy has to offer. You base your life on what the enemy is lying to you about or what your heart is deceiving you about or what the world says. Listen, this is the world value system. They say that everything is about you. That's what the world is gonna say. The world says that, listen, what you value most should be you. What you value most should be what gets you ahead of the game, what makes you successful, what makes you look good, what makes other people look bad so that you can look even better. Listen, this is the ways of the world. This is the philosophy of the world. The world will tell you, listen, do whatever is legal so that you can have the best business possible. Do whatever is within the boundaries. Yeah, it may be a little gray area. It may be unethical. Listen, this is the way of the world. This isn't the way that you operate. This isn't the way that you and I are called to, to live our lives. This is unspiritual, demonic. See, he's not separating these things as a way of false wisdom. He's saying these are the things that will lead you in false wisdom. This is why over and over again we see through scripture, Paul says it in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, he says do not... Like under any circumstances, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. This is wisdom. To have this discernment, this understanding, this is wisdom. This is what it means to live in the wisdom of God is that you do not be conformed to the patterns, to the ways of the world that is unspiritual, earthly, and demonic, but, but rather you are transformed by renewing your mind. Listen, knowledge is going to always get you more information. Transformation is done by living in the wisdom of the spirit of God. And so we must recognize what is the source? What is the source? Because Proverbs warns us in 14.12, there is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. Listen, students, I'm telling you right now, the world is against you. The enemy is against you. Your own flesh is against you. Church, is this not true? That listen, the world is rising up with their philosophies. They're saying, listen, you can be whatever you want. Choose whatever is good for you. Do what you think is right. Do what you think is good. Do what feels good. It doesn't matter. There are no repercussions. Eternity's not happening. We live for today. YOLO, am I right? But this is the way to destruction. 
This is the way that people are not warning us about anymore because maybe we're scared. Maybe we're going to offend somebody. Listen, I love you too much to care about me offending you. My job as a pastor and a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ is to offend you. Why? Because it is conviction that draws people unto the kingdom of God. And if we are scared about offending people, guess what? Kingdom advancement will cease and you and I, we're not going to stand for it. Listen, it is time for the church to live in the wisdom of God. It is time for the church to stand up and protect the next generation that this nonsense can just go away. Listen, but this is what we know. This is what we know. Why? Why? Because whatever the source is, is going to guide your motivation. Whatever the source is, is going to guide your motivation. And there are only two motivations for wisdom. You can have a motivation that is God-centered, or you can have a motivation that is self-centered. There's no in-between here. You have two options. And I'm going to tell you, this is what James is getting at in verse 14. He says, but if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition... In your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. You know what James is saying just right out of the gate here? I mean, the bull's not even bucking good at this point. I mean, right out of the gate, he's saying, listen, if you want to deny truth, then boast in your false wisdom. Why? Because those two things are incompatible. They're never going to intersect false wisdom, true wisdom, the ways of the world, the ways of your flesh, the ways that are demonic. These things are never going to intersect with the ways of God. They run away from each other. And he says, you're either in this category or you're in this category. You're either, you you have a motivation that is God-centered or you have a motivation that is self-centered. And listen, this is where... The Spirit of God just got a hold of my heart while studying this week. I was reminded so clearly of just how selfish of a person I am. And you know what the problem with that is? You know the problem of selfishness? We just pretend, I mean, it's not a big deal. Yeah, you act a little selfish every now and then. You know every act of selfishness is an act of worship toward yourself. Every time you worship yourself, who are you not worshiping? You're not worshiping God. You're not worshiping the King of Kings. You're not worshiping the Lord of Lords. You're not worshiping your Savior. You're saying, me, I'm it. I did it. Here I am, world. It's all about me. My motivation is me. My motivation is about what I gain. My motivation is about how I succeed. I don't care about what's happening over here. No, no, no. As long as I'm successful, as long as I'm doing it, as long as I'm making a difference, as long as I, 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 I. Listen, if you want to ruin your family, you want to ruin your marriage, you want to ruin parenting, you want to ruin your business, you want to ruin the church, then worship yourself. That's what the warning is here. Why? I mean, you think about it. When you get home at the end of the day and you think, well, why, did, why is there not dinner ready? I mean, I'm a little hungry. I've been working all day. I've been doing this. How, how in the world did my wife not ask me how my day was? 
Does she not care how hard I work? And wives, you think, okay, man, my husband came in. He didn't even give me a kiss. I mean, does he not care about me? I mean, is this how he values me? Is this how he sees me? Think about how you, this even impacts your parenting. Like, no, no, no. Hey, you better straighten up. Don't embarrass me. I don't want people to think that I'm not running my household well. You better snap, get it together. Think about how it operates at work. You look at people around you who are getting promoted and you're not. And you think to yourself, I got more education than that, dude. I have better experience than him. How did he get promoted? Why did I not get promoted? Man, I'll tell you what, if I was boss, I would have made this decision. We wouldn't be in this pickle if I were in charge. I would have led that meeting a lot better. Man, if I was in charge, I, our team would have this great morale. I mean, we would just be killing it. I mean, just if I was in charge. Think about how it impacts the church. We come in and you didn't even talk to me. I looked right at you and you just kept on walking. Well, you don't have time for me? Do you not care about me? I mean, why in the world would they make the church so cold? I'm cold. Why would they make it so hot? I'm sweating up here. Do they not care about me? Why did my friends not save me a seat? Why did the teacher uh, teach in that way? If I was a teacher, man, I would teach so much better. If I did this, okay, you see how self-centered these things are? You see how me-directed we can become so easy? It's self-worship. It's envy. It's bitterness. It's jealousy. And too often it is harbored and kept really safe right here in our heart. You know the first person to struggle with envy was Lucifer? Lucifer was the choir director in heaven. That's why we always got to keep our eye out for Kelvin, all right? You can't trust him. That's a joke. I said that in the first service, and then in the middle of our break, I was like, man, I'm not going to say that again. That ain't right. I said it again, you know? What are you going to do? Lucifer was in charge of directing the heavenly hosts, and his job was to simply be a reflection that when anyone would look at him, they would see the reflection of God so that they would worship only God. The problem with Lucifer is that at some point he snapped and he got tired of the heavenly host, their gaze going beyond him, and he desired for the gaze to be upon him. You see, this is why selfishness this is why envy, bitterness, jealousy, selfish ambition, all of these things play out. And one problem is that you worship yourself and not God. I worship myself and not God. And Lord, I'm asking, I am begging Jesus as I was getting ready for this, God, would you show us where we are not worshiping you completely? 
Like in my life that I expect others to serve me. No, 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 God, I want to serve my family. I want to serve my wife. I want to serve this church. I want to serve this community so that they don't see me. I don't care if they know my name. I want them to know the name of Jesus. I want to bear that burden so that everybody who hears this message, everybody who knows this church, they don't care about Michael Gossett. They don't care about you. They care about Jesus Christ, who is the only one who can save them. And listen, so often... We just get this backwards. I mean, you and I, we do not deserve this type of grace in our lives. We don't deserve this grace. We don't deserve this mercy. We don't deserve because over and over again, we worship something other than God himself. Because our motivation is off. And here's the truth about our motivation. Our motivation is going to lead to a result. See, James gives us the result of wisdom. He says that where there is envy, where there is selfish ambition, what it's going to do is it's going to lead to disorder. It's going to lead to every evil practice. Do we see this around the world? Do we see this in America? Do we see it in our homes? Do you see it in your own marriage that when you fight for yourself, what does it do? There's distrust. There's disorder. There's chaos in your marriage. There's chaos in your family. There's disorder. It leads to evil practice. It's the same thing in the church. It's the same thing in all of our relationships. But the wisdom from God? What does this lead to? What does this result in? He says this in verse 18. He says, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. I mean, you look at these things back in verse, um, where am I at? It's in James chapter 3. Oh, here it is, verse 17. I want to go back to verse 17. Just look at it. Because these are the things that should, you should be known for if you want the results of God's wisdom. He says in verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first, is first pure. It's peace-loving. It's gentle, it's compliant, it's full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without pretense. Is this how you are known? Is this how you are known in your home? Is this how you are known in your school? Is this how you're known in your business? Is this how you're known in the community around you, that that you are pure, that you're peace-loving, that you are gentle? You don't have to have your way. You're compliant. You don't have to fight tooth and nail and make sure everybody knows you're the boss. Everybody knows you're in charge. No, you're gentle. You're full of mercy. You have good fruits. 
You're unwavering without pretense. And this leads to a life that is, that is the fruit of righteousness that is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. Listen, you can't have both ways. You cannot live as the way of, of the world does. You can't live as the world does and expect to have godly results. Listen, your source is God. Your motivation is God. Your results are God. Listen, this is how it works in your life. And so many times we look at the instructions as if I cannot come up with the product. Listen, the product is not up to you. This is the great thing about it. See, this is the great thing about it, that when we are sourced by the Spirit of God, we are motivated by the Spirit of God, the results, they're done by the Spirit of God. You and I, we're just a conduit. This is the surrendered life in Jesus. I mean, I want you to think about Mark chapter 4. You look at Mark chapter 4, and the disciples there, they're in the boat, the waves are coming over. It was filling up the boat, it says in the ESV. And Jesus was asleep. And they, they make this question, they, they go to Jesus, they say, Jesus, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we are perishing? How many times do we say things like this to God? It doesn't sound like a terrible thing, right? But the problem is, is that it's on, the focus is on us. The focus is on me. How many times do I say, God, do you not care about my life? Do you not care what's happening? Where are you? Like, where are you at? Like, I thought that I was living according to your ways. I thought that I was surrendered to you. I thought I was saved by you. God, what is going on with my life? And, and what we take is these moments and our circumstances, and we think, God, why are you doing this to me? And the whole time, it has never been about you. It has never been about me. Because this is what it says at the very end of Mark chapter 4, verse 41. It says this. It says, and they were filled why were they filled with great fear? Because they, they look at Jesus and they say, Jesus, do something. Are you, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus, what does he do? He stands up from his nap. And he looks out to the wind and he looks out to the sea and he says, peace, be still. Peace, be still. Why? Because of you? No, no, no. It wasn't for their safety. It, it wasn't for because they were scared. It was for this verse right here that it says, and they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this? Who then is this? That even the wind and the sea, they obey him. They were filled with awe. They were filled with wonder. They were filled with an understanding that this is God. That this is not just a man. That he is who he says he is. And so now I'm no longer afraid of my circumstance. I'm not fearful for my life. I fear God. 
I fear him. And listen, this is what happens for us to live in wisdom, is for us to understand that life is just simply not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about us worshiping God in spirit and in truth. It's about us recognizing who the Savior really is. It's us recognizing that he is who he says he is, that he is the one who saves. He is the one who calms the seas, not just out there, but right here. He is your savior. And this causes us a unique ability to live in wisdom. Wisdom is knowing how to live in this world according to God's design. That's wisdom. The first step that you need to take today is that you recognize that, listen, I'm not living according to wisdom. I'm not living according to any of this. Listen, listen, your first step, your first step is surrender. Just like the disciples in Mark chapter four, that they surrendered God. Who is this? That even the wind and sea, they obey him. This is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. This is the savior of the universe. If you surrender to him, you can trust in him right now. And wisdom can be yours. The way that leads to life can be yours. Or maybe you're just sitting here thinking, man, I'm, I'm saved. I'm living so far from God's design. I'm living so far from the things of God. I'm living so far from wisdom. In fact, I just continue to invite my flesh in. I continue to invite the world in. I continue to invite the devil in. Listen, this is what your life is marked by. Today is a day of repentance for you. You call on the name of the Lord for salvation. You call on the name of the Lord for repentance and listen, he will be faithful and just and he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. But you have to make that commitment right now. Let's pray together. God, that is our prayer today. God, we wanna live in your wisdom. We wanna live in your spirit. So God, don't let us do anything that would grieve you, that would quench your spirit, God, but instead, God, let us live in such a way that we are inviting you to take over. God, we, we just wanna glorify you. We wanna magnify you. Forgive us, God, in the times that we just worship ourselves. God, forgive us in the times that we worship everything else other than you. Everything else becomes priority in our lives and takes precedent in our lives. God, forgive us. God, we're begging you. We're asking you, Jesus, would you give us clean hands? Would you give us a pure heart? Father, don't let us lift up our soul. Don't let us lift up our heart, our eyes to anything other than Jesus. God, that is our prayer. And we're asking God, forgive us. Forgive us when we don't. Lord, call people for salvation right now. God, call people into repentance right now. Because Father, this is your time according to your will. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Hey, thank you for joining us today with our church family here at Green Acres Baptist Church. And this invitation is for you. Maybe God is stirring in your heart right now from what you have heard. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. 
maybe God is calling you right now for salvation. You know, the Bible is very clear that if we uh, confess with our mouth and if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says that you will be saved. And so right now you could pray a very simple prayer and just say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you to come into my life and save me. If that's you today, we wanna help you and walk with you with this decision. Maybe for others of you, uh, maybe you've been saved, but maybe you've been waiting to get baptized. Uh, maybe you need to figure out what it means to be a member of our church here at Green Acres. Whatever that decision is, we wanna come alongside you. And so do us a favor. You can fill out the connect card at gabc.org and one of our team members will be with you very shortly. Whatever it is that God has laid on your heart, we wanna walk with you in your growth in Jesus Christ. I look forward to hearing from you soon.